All right, Afternoon, Jay. mate. Can I just say, right, first of all, before we even properly start, I have been saying for at least a good year and a bit, I want to be on a podcast. And Law of Attraction, as soon as I started saying it to the exam class, the things started to come into place that made it happen. Albeit, yeah, pandemic, one of them. That's literally all I listen to at home, podcasts about everything and anything, some, from sport to stuff about serial killers. I know it sounds a bit macabre and things like that, but everything and anything, I absolutely love podcasts. So to be able to kind of be part of one, it's amazing. And it's going to be a bit of an interesting journey, this, I think. Uh, be interesting to see kind of what happens with it and um, kind of what's discussed and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be good. One of us is going to get sick of each other sooner or later. 100%. 100%. By the end of the day. But, um, <laughs> hi guys, I am Joe. And I'm Jamie. And together we wanted to put on this podcast, which is different than what you'll hear with Mark and his podcast all about leadership and different than Adam and Erica's stuff all about life as a student and how the arts connects with that. This was meant to be or is kind of very much about what we see being involved in the art centre. It's a bit of a sort of sneak peek into sort of behind the scenes of what we do here, um, giving you that sort of VIP pass to kind of show you what goes on behind the scenes, whether it be in shows, in podcasts, in creating sessions, all that sort of stuff. So I hope you enjoy uh, listening to us. Yeah, I think you're, you're, like, you're right on that, Jay, because what I've noticed, what I've like realised is how much... First of all, you know, in a year, how much we do, but how much in a month and how much in a week. And then even when, you know, you look at the last six months when for all intents and purposes, like we shouldn't have been able to do the amount of stuff that we did do. Yeah, that's right, yeah. Because we weren't geared up or or supposedly weren't geared up to do that type of stuff. Yet we've done absolutely loads. And I think it's hard to just be able to get the rundown of all that just from posts online. I think sometimes when you talk to people, about what we do and kind of sometimes when we have like a, a bunch of shows that are quite close together, uh, like sometimes, like I think a couple of years ago, we had like four in the space of like a month and a half or two months. Yeah, it was disgusting. Um, but when you tell people, look, for each show we've got to do, we've got to set up the tech, we've got to take down the tech, we've got to do the lights, got to do the sound, we've got to do the dress rehearsals and you've got to do that for every show. It's, it's, it's a long drawn out experience. And I don't think people sometimes realise how much actually goes into just putting on one simple show rather than putting on four in the space of a month and a half or two months. Yeah, and I think like I was writing up a I was writing up um an application the other day about this apprenticeship award that I'm in. And oh, you never mentioned it before. Are you, are you up for a Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So, oh, okay. so you know after I did my uh, my uh, grade eight in, in oh, you, you never mentioned and, it. And okay, then yeah. went on to do uh, a diploma in um musical theatre as well. Oh, wow, really? yeah, yeah. Well now as as the uh, art apprentice I am uh, the one of the finalists for the oh. sub thirty six uh, apprenticeship of the year. Oh, that's award. very special um in the application for that i wanted to mention this phrase that i'd seen which was very much about like it takes a village and that's i think what our podcast is kind of about is it's shining a light on all of those members of team and when i say team i mean it in like the widest sense the peer mentors the students the the staff the volunteers the parents everyone who falls under what like we call the arts family give people an insight into them and their stories. And, and I think without these people, we would struggle to put on these shows, these performances, these even making costumes, things like that. While, while these people dedicate their time and some of their, their free time to help us, without them, we wouldn't be able to do the high quality and high standard of things that we do do. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, you know, I don't think there's any... We're never 
like we never have anyone around who's just you know a bit at an impasse a bit with nothing to without a job in apart a show from, apart from mike we just well well we'll get to him okay but that i think you know today we've got mike on we've got mike to kind of talk about his experience over lockdown and how he became involved in the art center which is obviously probably one of the most unique ways out there and certainly one of the first yeah for us though our art journeys first of all began really really differently yeah very differently um, yeah there's at least two of me in you in age okay <laughs> i don't know whether Roughly. that's a compliment or not it's not meant to okay, be okay <laughs> um we both you know obviously came involved became involved in the center in really different ways do you want to talk about how your art journey began yeah yeah so basically my art journey began by i uh, I have a I have a son called Finley. He's the if you know or see him around, he's the one that's always dabbing. Dab king, the dab king, uh, going around blonde hair, always squawking everywhere. Go, oh come on, oh come on, what? Always dabbing all the time. So that that's him. So if you don't know who he is, you do now. Um, so basically, he started off. We he said he wanted to. He's always like dancing and jumping around and being loud and noisy. So I said, okay, let's let's take him somewhere where he can kind of put those talent so to speak to, to use um so he came up he, he did lots of sessions and things like that and um it was i think my real first involvement was that in the, in my past i used to uh do a bit of singing i used to be part of a uh take that tribute i've done boy band tributes all sorts of stuff um and i was kind of roped into joining to the 90s solo i think it was so i, I did that absolutely loved it um, was was nervous as hell before it though. I don't know why I've sang in so many different places, but I think it's because it's new people as well. Um, but yeah, sang angels. I absolutely loved it, and then kind of got roped in from there, doing helping with singing, the singing uh, classes and things like that. And as, as you know, with arts, you do one thing, it kind of snowballs from there, and you kind of from there you kind of either helping run classes, doing tech, cutting grass, doing doing all, doing all sorts of things. So that's that's really my sort of journey into this, and I absolutely I've been here probably about two and a bit years now. Absolutely love what I do. And I think during when we had the lockdown, it was quite hard for me not to be doing something because I'm used to kind of being up here at least three or four times, maybe five times a week. So for me not to be up here and doing something, it was quite difficult because I'm used to being very, 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 very active. But no, that's that's sort of my journey so far. And I'm still here now, absolutely loving it. And can't wait to see what we're going to do in the future and, and what things we're going to kind of progress to and also seeing the kind of students grow and see what see what's going to happen with those what about yourself how did you kind of get into this obviously obviously you started as a student but how what made you think oh i want to kind of stay here and do what you're doing now well yeah i, I was a student originally and joined because me matt and aaron had kind of been talked into coming to one session the trifecta the oh the holy trinity <laughs> i wouldn't call you um, that i would i would all day long. Um, <laughs> I yeah joined as a student, and then I wasn't able to be involved, or I chose not to be involved in shows as as a performer during my last year of high school because I wanted to really focus on GCSEs. But also, in doing that, I wanted to kind of get involved in other ways and it kind of came about because I was doing stuff in school that like kind of revolved a little bit around tech theatre and so I think Mike like ended up headhunting me from from figuring out the fact that I did that I think Mike dropped a call into Mark Mark then you know got me involved in the tech theatre stuff and it was all a little bit of a snowball really so the first thing that I did that wasn't performance was probably doing 
the lights for West Side Story and then managed to get a chapter for every show that I wasn't in as an actor. I even like narrated, there was this one, a singing show where I was narrating it. I, I was basically Doctor Who, mate, and it's come back to bite me. The coat. You know, the coat. <laughs> this was pre the coat. This was That was a pure Doctor Who coat though. Yeah, but I've, I've got I've got that still. It's, okay. it's coming back to winter now, so we'll be coming back out. I can't wait. Yeah, but to be honest, in like, one of the one of the um, arts mums the other day turned around and went, put a bit of beef on in the lockdown. <laughs> so um, the beef has to go before the coat can come out. That's a polite way of saying you, you bet too much. Then, yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah, I got involved there and started to get involved in all the tech, but quickly realised that it was a bit of, oh, I'm, I'm interested in this. I'm going to kind of see, could I be interested in this other thing as well? And I think that, that second or third kind of alternative route was photography and then it was... Ooh, could I maybe become um, a stage manager for Madagascar with the juniors? And I was interested in that. And then by being in that session, I would notice, oh, this PM mentor and stuff that's going on, I, I kind of really want to have a go of that. So because there were so many options to do a load of things, I kind of just tried to take every single one of them. And I think I was searching for where does where does like the interest stop? Where is it like, okay, this is all great, but this is really where this isn't for me. And I just, I still haven't found where that is. Yeah. I know, you know, there's, there's degrees, you know, like Alex is doing sound for us today on the podcast. There's stuff in sound that I cannot tolerate. I can't stand and I'd rather like, I'd rather, you know, jump off a bridge yeah. than actually do it. But to some degree, I've just found all of these different um, facets of the arts really, really interesting. So whilst all that was happening though, I was going into college to do, really really scientific subjects and it was it was uh, chemistry physics geography and maths all the good subjects to be fair do you know what they are dynamite subjects when you get into really them. physics maybe less so if personally for me definitely doesn't sound dynamite to me yeah, well what i found though with them was that i'd assumed because i'd done well in school and i was always you know considered by teachers and, and peers to be really bright that i'd that just assumed there was only space for me in in the big wide you know world in a job in the sciences okay and what would you have done if you'd have gone into the sciences would you uh, i wanted to do geophysics so okay. i wanted to go to um the university of southampton and i wanted to do a four-year degree there for a year what, what is geophysics for anybody who's not like my, i myself mate mate i don't think i could actually tell you now <laughs> i don't think i could have told you then properly and i don't think this this was probably where the big problem was that was you didn't that know it? what it was anyway <laughs> exactly that yeah. makes sense not gonna lie you had geography which was a long technical word and you had physics which was a long technical word and i remember one day thinking what maybe there's a there's a science that you just has the cross of these that and has both was. these words together yeah, yeah. <laughs> um so i just assumed that there was only like a science route and what i think that created was a pure conflict of interest because it was like head was saying you have to go down this pathway and heart was just pulling a completely different direction so swerved all that in the end and ended up kind of taking a bit of a step back from education and and it would take me a couple of years to get back onto an an educational kind of path i guess but in the meantime did a lot of practical volunteering here especially um managed to get my rsl grade eight in musical theater you've got a grade eight so oh, yeah, 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 you've yeah, not yeah. got okay, one cool. of them um and a diploma as well wow yeah. so managed to get all of that stuff and then 
you know, was able to give back into what I was actually doing here. So long story cut short, that uh, led to me being the first apprentice for, you know, the centre in Scareman Up Holland. And we'll say you are doing a very good job as well. Honestly, you are doing a, a really oh, good job. Jay. I don't mean to make your head any bigger than it already is. I wouldn't is. be a finalist for the award if oh, I wasn't, to be honest again. with you. <laughs> Just one final question from, from me then in regards to kind of journeys and things like that. If you kind of had to put a label on what you do at the centre, like what what would that label be like? Because obviously some people are like, okay, this person is doing more admin work, this person is a teacher, this person is a mentor. What would, what would the label that you put on yourself without being too big-headed? <laughs> I think it's hard because the, all of the practical stuff, all the actual tasks, you know, things like teaching a session or doing the lighting design, all of those are just ways to get the job done. Yeah. They aren't the job. Um, for me, I think that my job is about creating opportunities for people, whether they're old or young or experienced or inexperienced to connect with arts and culture uh usually through through theater but that isn't the be all and end all yeah yeah so i think that's what i try to do in in the day and in the week okay yeah fantastic but when you mentioned earlier jay that you you found yourself doing a load of different jobs yeah what has been the weirdest one to be fair, I've been asked to do quite a number of different jobs or tasks up at the centre. Um, there's not really been any, any weird ones. I've I always kind of get roped in to do a do a show or two when they're like, "Oh, he's a big lad. Mister Bumble's a big lad. We'll get him doing that or something along those lines." <laughs> but no, I, like I said, I've done, I've done lots of different things. Like I, I, I don't mind helping out wherever and when, whenever I can. I've when we had the when the when we had the water coming through the roof. I was up here at half past ten at night with a sweeping brush, helping sweep water off. Um, with, the glass, with the Glastonbury, I was out cutting the grass. So yeah. Do you know at the time that you were up on that roof? I don't think I don't think I ever told you this, but at the time that you were up on that roof, and that was a like horrendously weird week. Yeah, Aladdin was, was the same week. The roof was like trying to collapse, and I think the keys to Up Holland came to us. We're coming through, yeah. But that week, when me and Claire, who were in the in the high school doing the lighting design got the message that you know there was this big problem in the roof pretty much where we are now yeah, recording yeah. we came over and we brought some of the kit that was already at the school because we thought okay mike might need you know the drill and might need the nails and stuff and so everyone's in a bit of a calm panic weirdly it's like everyone is kind of like okay this is what we're doing yeah i come in I think in a bit of a blind panic and I'm like, right, Claire, Claire, I'll I'll get this, I'll get this. And grabbed a box of the nails and ripped ripped them out of the of the boot of the car. I remember and that. went everywhere. everywhere. Yeah. So whilst everyone else was trying to save the building, I was trying to clean up my mess on the floor outside. <laughs> yeah, I actually remember that to be fair. I actually do remember that. <laughs> but yeah, I, I I always remember you like, yeah, I think you were around for the next couple of days, weren't you, after that? Yeah, I was, I was kind digging of digging the trench that had digging, to digging the trench, putting the stones in doing all sorts of stuff. But yeah, that was a bit of a, that was a bit of a strange. It was something I can say I've never done before and hopefully I don't have to do again. But no, it's good. What about then in terms of, you know, you've been able to, like like me, like all the guys, that even even down to the peer mentors, have a part in someone's journey from first day in to final curtain on a show? Yeah. 
what has been for you, especially as someone who is who is a parent, so knows that their their child is making that same journey. Yeah. What's been the most rewarding experience of doing that? What's been the most rewarding moments? There's been a, there's been a couple. If I'm going to be honest, um, I think with one of my first shows that I was involved in, um, when you get you get when you do auditions here, you get the same people, the kind of same big hitters coming in for the auditions, and there's usually kind of no change in regards to people coming in and kind of knocking them people off the perch. Now, when we did, um, I think it was either, I think it was seven when we did This Is Me at the end. Amelie coming in and coming in, she, oh, I don't really want to go. I was like, no, no, just give us a try and audition for it. I actually blew it out of the park and surprised everyone. So seeing her kind of journey going from quite shy to kind of what she is now and blooming on stage and, and she's fantastic at what she does and she also mentors the kids now as well. So she does an amazing job with that. And also... Uh, Ava Phillips, so so quiet. And I remember her very first show when she had to do. I think they were doing Fix You as an mm-hmm. as a cappella. Might be in the same show as well. And she was in the wings and she was crying her eyes out and she was hyperventilating. I was like, Oh my god, I feel so bad. I do it. Do I let her on stage? Do I not? And it's just that fact of trying to kind of calm her down, breathing. When she got there, she was absolutely fine. It's seen her kind of grow to what she is now. She, she's very very talented in what she does with the with the acting, with the singing. Um, and obviously she got one of the, the the lead roles in The Little Mermaid now and she's doing a fantastic job at it. So it's I think I love seeing those stories kind of from when they're kind of quite quite introvert and going to these kind of blooming into these beautiful flowers and being being the stars that they are. I think it's, I love that side of things. It really it really makes me proud. Awesome. Well, it's interesting, like Little Mermaid, especially at the minute, because the last six months at least the brakes have been pulled on it a little bit. Yeah. You know, as as have so many things, not just with us, but everywhere. Yeah, of course. What, and I think it's, I'm really proud that we can all say this, that what we've done as as a community, as a group, as an organisation, has been, we've been able to actually replace what we usually offer, what we usually do, what we get up to in the week, with a whole load of different other events, activities, projects, What's the standout one for you? In regards to now or in the past six months? Uh, what's been the what's been the lockdown ones that's really stood out? For me, I absolutely loved seeing it. I absolutely loved it because it's something I'd kind of never really done before, uh, doing stuff on camera um, and kind of film myself as well and just getting to play this, this stupid, pretentious, be more like Jamie character, which I absolutely love doing. And it kind of it kind of turned into a monster by the end, but I, that, for me that was amazing. And seeing people's reactions to to this sort of little thing that we kind of thought, oh, we'll we'll give it a go, and the people absolutely loved it. And doing the the live versions of it as well, on they like the live uh, results and things. That was amazing. So I, for me, it was it was I love absolutely love seeing it. I'm so glad though. Can we just take a minute? I'm so glad that stupid character hasn't come into this podcast. I was worried he was going to be my co-host. To be honest, no, with you. not 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 yet, not yet. <laughs> no, I, I, it's it's one of those kind of things where people kind of not kind of relate, but kind of would like to laugh at him yeah, which is yeah, which yeah. is quite good i think yeah. during that sort of time where people were a bit kind of unsure and a bit kind of other things worrying about other things just be a bit daft for half an hour yeah it gives them that sort of kind of that breakaway and that release and people would tune in every week at was eight o'clock and they would watch it and there'd be people chatting underneath oh my god that was funny that was amazing i love this love that mm-hmm. the other and the fact we could get um broadway stars on there to be judges as well which was amazing. So you're getting people going, oh my God, I can't believe you've got uh, the, the lead role from Aladdin. I can't believe you've got this person, that person, which was amazing. 
that's that's the reason why I think it, was, it surprised us quite a lot. I talked about it after how big sort of it, it got because we didn't expect it to be the thing that it was. We expected it to be people sending a couple of videos, we'd, we'd judge them, we'd send it out and people would watch it and it'd be, it'd be a lovely thing to do, kind of a replacement to a singing session. But it kind of became this thing that people wanted to see. People people still ask now, oh, you're going to do another series. Yeah, I'd love yeah. to see another series. Why aren't you doing another series? It's So for, for us to have something like that, that people still want, it, it's fantastic. Yeah. And do you know what? You're so right in terms of how big it got without realising it. Because I, I honestly thought it would be about like a half hour job to put it together. And then, I don't know if you remember, but by the end of it, it was like, right, guys, no one speak to me for Monday. Don't speak to me for Sunday. I've got to edit this. <laughs> and, and then we, we get oh, the text God. through from, from Joe going, oh, my internet's gone down again. I can't believe it. What's going on? I hate this internet. I'm really excited for the live version. I don't yeah. know, you know, we don't know exactly when that can be, but that's that's something that we've got to do. Um, 100%. And I, I, I think it's going to be really good fun kind of going over the top, kind of X Factor, the voice with it and... I'm 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 getting a new outfit. I'm going to get a brand new outfit. It's going to be over the top, like be more like Jamie. It's going to be over the top. It's going to be ace. I'm going to have maybe people carrying me in on like a chair and like maybe like a robe on like with Rocky music and it's it's going to be amazing. You'll you'll all love it. You could get. I mean, we got you know we got Eliza Hamilton in. We got uh, the actress who plays Eliza Hamilton. We got Matt Croak who plays Aladdin. You could get Megan Trainer to come in for Sing It Live and sing if. I was you, I'd want to be me too, as you enter in. I think she'd, possible. I think she'd do it. And why why wouldn't she? She she, co- she coaches the voice. She's not doing anything at the moment anyway, so... I don't know. And I think so many of the contestants took on the challenges really, really well and made it their own. Yeah, I, th- I think there was a lot of, lot of them that were kind of going in opposite directions with things. Like, there was one of the contestants who was in a bath. Um, oh, splash, 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 splash taking, in a bath. Splish, yeah. Splash taking a bath. Ethan. Ethan, Ethan was amazing. I loved it. He just kind of, kind of upped his game every week, and it was. He went from this kind of, kind of shy kid in the first one to, and everybody. It, it was amazing. I, I, Ethan was were fantastic, and then you get the kind of, kind of like little Maddie Barker Gaskell as well, giving it all the sass and stuff like that. I, I absolutely loved it. In a minute, then we're going to have Mike come on, yeah, with us because one of the biggest projects that we ran over that period was, was the Enterprise Project, yeah, which saw. Primarily, students take the survival of the centre into their own hands. Yeah, we had a lot of the students. Obviously, when this kind of happened with lockdown, obviously we we, we rely on uh, kind of people paying the fees and the money coming in to keep the centre running. So all the technical equipment putting the shows and that puts money back into the centre. And that it kind of it's kind of a little bit of a merry-go-round. We need the money to kind of make everything go around for the next year, and the next year, and so on. So we had kids, students saying, "Please let me donate my pocket money because." I don't want to see the centre go away. This is how much it means to me. Please let me donate X, Y, Z because I I want the centre to be there when 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 lockdown's over. So that's where I think that's where the idea came from with with Mark and a couple of other people to say, look, if if the kids really want, if the kids really love the place, which which they do, let's let's see let's let's see them put the money where their mouth is and and see if they can raise some money for us, which a lot of them did doing weird, wacky, wonderful things. Yeah, and to give everyone like. A bit of an insight into how that project really ran, some of the behind the scenes, the ways it worked, was anyone who had an idea, even if you weren't a student, could pitch it. And rather than a, yes, you're on you're on the team, you're in the game kind of response, the response from, from Mark was, okay, let's make this idea, whether it's kind of ready to go 
to market, quote unquote, or whether it needs nurturing and growing, let's make it into something. And that may mean that sometimes what was needed was some press and some promo. So bits would go out to Claire to write up because, I mean, I can't even spell dog without putting a spelling mistake <laughs> in. Claire could write for days. Um, so the copy would go to Claire or the writing. If it needs a, if it needs a, what if it needs a poster or a logo or some graphics, then it can go to Charlotte and she can whip all that up because that's what she's, that's her thing. That's yeah. what she's good at doing. So rather than having someone with the weight of the world on the back saying, I've got this idea and I have to write about it and I have to design all of the stuff for it and I have to manage all the tech for it, which was what, you know, would come to me in terms yeah. of how could we facilitate some, some of the technology solutions Rather than putting all that on one person, it was much more, right, let's take your idea and share the responsibility out with the team of people who otherwise would be spending their time solving problems for shows or for productions and events, and let's make it into something really, really special. Yeah, of course. We've got we've got a kind of plethora of people here with many different talents and who've got experience for a number of years in different sort of industries and different places where they work and things like that so there's 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 that experience there that that that's been utilized for them to kind of get the most out of it and i think one of the things that i remember mark saying about about this kind of arts enterprise that anyone can come up with an idea anyone but it's following through with it that's the big thing that's the that's the thing it's it's the okay i i want to i like kiki for instance i'm going to walk up loads of stairs i'm going to walk up and down stairs okay but how many stairs are you going to walk up and down Okay, in the end, she walked the height of the Blackpool Tower up and down stairs. That's a lot. I got out of breath just walking up one set of stairs. I'm, I'm, I'm larger than the average bear, as everybody knows. So for me, exercise is not a massive thing on my list. But walking up and down one set of stairs is can be tiring for people. But walking up that many stairs, it's a lot. So I was quite impressed with that people that, that did put kind of put the money where their mouth was and kind of follow through with their ideas and kind of go, yeah, I've suggested this. Let's see it right to the end and see if we can get people to sponsor me, donate and things like that. And ironically, one of the ideas which, unless you would maybe, I guess, wait till today to see whether it would pan out, would have looked like it just fizzled out into non-existence. And that was that Adam and Erica turned around and said, we want to put together a podcast. Yeah. We want to have a podcast that talks about student life, about the arts, about life in and out of lockdown giving our perspectives as people who are living that experience. And, and I think it's nice that we do get the kind of teenage perspective so to speak um because on the, on the news you see people it's always older people talking about what what the kind of covid and lockdown means to them what's happened and you never hear the kind of the teenagers who've they've gone through this terrible experience where they've gone through school and they've gone through high school and they've, they've, they've revised for gcse's or a levels that haven't happened because of this then they're told okay we, you might get results you might not and it's going to be based on x y and z so they've, they've gone through a, a bit of a strange experience and for them to come out the other side and still be sort of not, not happy, but kind of okay with it and to have still developed through it, it it's an amazing thing. But so, so it's very good to kind of hear their side of things and what, what they think about kind of all that sort of stuff and also Minecraft, which they also love talking about and games and stuff. I just say, all of, well, some of these things though have made me, well, you are much older than me. Mark and Mike, you are all much, much, old, not, you are much, much older. older than me, right? But some of these new new fads make me feel very old. Like what? Like what? Right, new well, well, have you learned how to woe on TikTok? I've heard about a woe. Okay, so someone tried to teach me a woe the other day. Okay, it went terribly. 
Did it go particularly bad, yeah? Well, it, I didn't think it did. I thought I'd nailed it. And then the next day, so someone taught me in it in Holland, and then the next day I came to Skem, and I tried to show off my woe to some of the seniors. <laughs> and when they're going, whoa, 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 whoa. I, I came whoa. in, I thought I was like the dawn. I was like, guys, guys, look at this, right? Check this out. <laughs> and and I seriously was like thinking I'd cracked it. Right? Think you think you're like out of a diversity or something like that, chucking out some dance moves. I woed, right? <laughs> I'd and love to I just this. got laughed at. I would have laughed and, at you. And well. do you know what? Yeah, I, I'd have laughed at me too. <laughs> and they showed me what it was meant to be. And I, I don't understand it at all. Not I, one bit. I, I don't, to be fair. But then, like nowadays, obviously, with my little eight year old, all he wants to do is watch people play games on YouTube. I don't understand it myself. They'd, they'd, they'd love, to, just love to sit and watch people play Roblox or Minecraft on YouTube. And he can sit there for hours and do it. He absolutely loves it. Personally, I don't get it. I don't, I don't understand it. But maybe that's my... Well, this is why, you know, we've ported out, we've outsourced all of our need-to-know info for, like, games. I wonder if we can get it so that if there's something that comes up in our week that we don't understand... We can ask them. We can ask them, and then they can send in... They can voice message us. That We can good. play it through the podcast and educate ourselves. I think there's going to be a lot of things, you know. We might have to limit it. Yeah. One a, week. yeah. one a week. The next one, then, the next bloke we've got coming in. Bloke. First bloke. He is a bloke, isn't he? I want, I don't want he's not like a, a dude. Bloke, he's more of a melt. Mm, possibly. Yeah. Speaking of melts, right, right. A bit of bit of inside info. Go on. I was learning some new, or how to use some new equipment. Go on. The other day. May or may not have been related to how to make t-shirts. Go on. You make t-shirts with a big toasty maker. Can can you make toasties in you it? You definitely could make toasties in it. Do you reckon when Mark's not here, you can try and make one? Oh my God, you could get like... If you laid all the bread out... Like a massive one. And you could make a massive one. That'd be, but what, what would you put inside it, though? Well, just cheese. Wouldn't you have, like, cheese and ham or something like that? Yeah, it depends on the day. That's fair, sure. Anyway, back to the melt. Yeah. And not the cheese one. Okay. Mike. Mike the melt. Mike, who has been involved in the centre pretty much from its start. Yeah. And is obviously Mark's brother. Yeah. And this... He's, he's the older brother as well. The older one. He, he's much, much older than but me. But acts like a 12-year-old. And the thing is, we can say this because we're going to be just as, you know, ripping into him as yeah. when he's in here. So Of course, yeah. 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 I'd say it to his face anyway. Exactly. But Mike's coming in. Yeah. Mike, over the lockdown, took on this joke of a challenge. It's an unbelievable one. It was ridiculous. Which he'll talk about more himself. But Mike's Million is probably one of the biggest events that have brought people together of all ages that we've ever done. Because we do shows and, and there's a cast yeah. who are all together. There's an audience who kind of share the experience. But this was, you could be you could be four and walk. You could be 84 and walk. <laughs> you may have a harder time. Yeah, I'm going to say, But yeah. you could. I, th- I think it, has, it did bring families together. I think you saw a lot of... Families walking, like mothers and sons, fathers and sons, fathers and daughters. That sort of bringing, I think, sort of bringing that family side of things back together when we were going through a time when it was hard to get out and have those moments. So I think Mike Smillion, as well as raising money for the centre, which he did amazingly, it also kind of brought that community spirit back and brought that arts family back together, I think, as well. Right, let's get him in in then. This is going to be Mike about Mike's Million. Mike's Million Gazillions. Wasn't a gazillion. You sure? No, no, no. It was a lot though. That like, might be someone else. I lost Galbraith. That might be 14. like Emily Galbraith's gazillion. That's anyway, true. yeah. Okay. Mike's million. Mike's million.
So we are back after our brief break. Um, we went to get more beer. To be first, yeah. By the way, we are having beer while we're doing this, just to kind of loosen up a little bit, just to kind of freshen the mood, I'd say, because Joe's a bit stressed. What? Mm, fair enough. Um, yeah, pretty much. But whilst going to the fridge, we found that trying to scab our Moretti's was this melt of a man. <laughs> Massive melt it of a man. It was Mike. Uh, hiya, Mike. Good afternoon, boys. <laughs> <laughs> Good afternoon, boys. <laughs> um, I have also got a beer, thanks. Yeah, you're, you're welcome. You, you robbed one of ours. We did prerequisite everyone that we would be ripping you in, into you as and, much as we usually would. you've put me on a corner, which is not ideal. <laughs> it's it's going to give me nightmares, I'm going to be honest. So, Mike, your art story probably yes. starts earlier than most people's. Do you want a to tell us how a long because 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 you are much much older than me and you've just turned forty? Oh yeah, life begins um, at forty. Just leave that. I don't think they do. Do you want to tell us how your art journey began? You can start at the womb if you'd really like, but just go wherever feels easy. <laughs> That's a long time ago, though. To be fair, yes, my performing arts journey didn't start till I was twenty-five. So you know what I mean. You can tell. <laughs> yeah so my arts journey began way back in the beginning of arts like pre-center arts like 2011 um with the transition from obviously one organization to the other kind of the birthplace of kind of where it all began um and then yeah you know nipping from school to school monday one place tuesday another wednesday another all very much jet setting yeah literally you were all over the place. The sweets, everything was going with you. It was, it was fun, but it was it was hard work. And then, obviously, we got to twenty thirteen. End of twenty thirteen, we got the the nod from the council after obviously the the business plan that Mark had put together to finally get a premises to establish some roots in the community, and then obviously grow and and develop from there. And then it was early. Early 2014, I think it was February to be precise, I'd worked in in a private sector job for, for 17 years. And I think it was the realisation that once we had the centre, that running the organisation and the centre were two very different beasts. And um, I had a conversation with Mark, my mum and dad, because it was very much a, a big career change for me financially as well as... But it, it, it was very much a quality of life. It was doing something. It wasn't about the money. It wasn't about anything other than I want to do something I actually enjoy. I want to get up in the morning and, and go to work, wanting to go to work, not just doing it to pay the bills. Um, so, Mike, I'm, on that then, how, how did it feel? Or how does it feel now, More moreover? How does it feel now, looking back on the first time you stepped foot in this building? Okay, Um very, very different in the sense that I still feel the same when I come in, but in terms of like when I first turned up, I was a little bit, didn't really know what to expect when I first turned up. I'd never ran a premises before. I'd never done the kind of jobs and roles that, that were going to be asked of me before. Um, I'd done a little bit of, of management, but it was more warehouse management, never premises or or that kind of stuff. Um, and to be taking a lead on things like, you know, financial stuff and health and safety and all things like that was very much, okay, this is the start of something completely new for me. And that journey of learning those things was was great. It was hard and it's been tough at times, don't get me wrong, but 
I now really enjoyed it. And now I feel I've come not just in a, you know, a career path, but I personally as well in a, in a much, much different place. And I've benefited, you know, wholeheartedly from that. And was there any point that you thought, oh my God, I think I've made the wrong decision. Here. I, I, I genuinely don't know what I'm doing. Have I done the right thing here? Should, should I be here? Should I stay in my, my, my job that I was that I was safe and securing? I've, did you ever think, God, I, I don't know what I'm doing. I, I don't think I can do this anymore. No, um, not, not from a, a quality of life point of view and a, and a, a happiness point of view, I think the only, and I wouldn't say I, like regrets, but you know, like in fact, financially, it, it was it was difficult, and I did struggle for a, for a while, and it took me some time to kind of get back on my feet. But now, you know, having the support of of like Ash and obviously the two wages and things like that, it is slowly but surely you know getting better and, and getting easier. But it, it, that was the big decision. I did get a lot of support from home, uh, mum and dad helping me out with certain things. So. Financially, the transition was the toughest part, and at times I thought, mm, "Can I make this fit?" From a, you know, can I afford to to pay for X, Y, Z? But no, other than I, I never once regretted it and thought I've made the wrong choice here. In fact, every single day is probably like, "Yeah, this is definitely the path I should have been on." Probably earlier than than I did. You made me realise something when you were talking about the kind of income, and I don't think I don't think it's ever clicked with me until just as you you were phrasing it then because obviously um apprentices get you know a, a very particular minimum apprentice wage mm -hmm. um and i've never ever like really ever been bothered about that i've never not been happy with what that number is when you were talking about it then it just made me think that i think it's because People want money to be able to go out and do things with their social circle, with the people that they enjoy spending time around. But here, very much for me at least, and, and my question kind of is, do you, do you agree? And is it the same for you? That already happens because the job is in a lot of ways the connection to the social circle. I don't just mean the people we work with, me, you, Claire, not just these guys, but everyone else, Jay, um, you know, people like the Boyds or the Hallams, these people are the people where if we weren't working, we would want to spend time with anyway. Yeah, very much so. Um, you know, the, pe the the family that we have, this community that, that the art centre has developed. I mean, growing up, I was never, the, the, the community of friends that I had growing up, I was never one of them in school that had like this huge, like big group of mates. It was always me, Mark. Carl, you know, some of our just our, our kind of close friends, and that was kind of what what it always was. And um, and then obviously discovering like the performing arts world, you very much found that when you were in a show, your your cast, your castmates and your crewmates and your team became your social circle. That that was literally it because you were you lived and breathed each other for six months, twelve months, whatever it was. And the the centre has literally just. Yeah, it has become that. It has become that that home from home, and all the people now that I would class as my social circle are very much the people that I work with, the people that I teach, the families that I've connected with, all because of yeah, for that reason that you've just stated. So yeah, very much so. So, go back to Mike's millions. Why, why decide to do something that's this? It physically demanding, and I think quite mentally demanding as well for yourself. Because I think I remember when we kind of we all kind of sat around and this idea was put about, and it was kind of 
a million steps. That's a lot of steps. How are you going to do that? And so, so why did you? Why do you think? Do you know what? I can do this. And why? Is my question really? Well, it started off, didn't it? And I had because because I'd been running. I'd always been a runner. Walking was never something I'd I'd really done. I'd always been a runner. So I, I'd over the course of lockdown with these challenges and some of these concepts. I had my mind focused on running. I want to run this. I want to. I want to do so many miles. I'm going to run a hundred this. And and then some of these students are coming out the woodwork. You know, take Joel for example, running one marathon, two marathons, and it was like bloody hell. You know, mm-hmm. it's like you know, it kind of made what I was planning on doing look a bit like well, it's, it's not enough. You know, I've got. I think a, it gives you kind of kick up the bum, really. Doesn't yeah, it? it's kind of. It's like so okay and then so walking i thought i need to come up with a new concept and then i had a conversation with mark and it was like you know if you're going to do something it's got to be something that is like okay above and beyond and it's got to really kind of you know make a statement so i kind of went home and i was looking at ideas and i think what can i do what can i do that and then obviously having a a watch that counts steps i thought oh i wouldn't and i thought a million pops into your head because it's that it's a kind of figure isn't it a million it's like and out of curiosity, I just Googled million steps, divided it by like a month. I thought, oh, yeah, well, that's that's ridiculous. I thought, we'll divide it by two months. Um, and then very kind of coincidentally, it coincided with our provisional reopening date, which was the 1st of September. I thought, okay, July, August, it equates to like 17,000 steps a day. I thought, okay. I thought that is going to be a test. It's like nearly double what is expected of like the average human in terms of a health requirement. I thought, okay. I reckon I can do that. Kind of always like to push myself, always want to be able to see what I'm capable of, like to aim high. And so so that was kind of it. And obviously put it to the guys. My initial ideas for names were not great. Probably being my mother's son. We all know my mum's not great with stuff like that. It was like a million steps to September, a million steps to... She's great with names. And all this. And I was like, what, what is it? And it didn't even dawn on me at first. And then it was like... Mike's million, yeah, dead simple, dead to the point, and it was like, yeah, okay, let let let's do this type of thing. And also, I think I think Mike's million as a as a sort of event, so to speak, it, it meant a lot to a lot of different people because I was speaking before, it kind of got people together, it brought families back together again, giving them them times, father, daughters, mother, sons, all that sort of stuff, but bringing friends back together to do them them walks. But with, with yourself, obviously, at the start, doing it, you must have thought, oh, it's gonna be. A bit, not not a doddle, but I can I can get through this. Was there a point where you thought, "What the hell am I doing? Am I going to be able to finish this?" And what got you through that? And what got you, what got you to the end? So that's that finish line. Thinking, do you know what? I can, I can do this because of X Y Z or this person, yeah. people, whatever. They've helped me towards this. There was a moment early on, and I think it was like literally the second week. So it was very very early on, and in the first week. I'd kind of said to myself, kind of on day one, that I'm going to go big at the beginning and try and get myself ahead so that I'm always going to be ahead and never going to be playing catch-up. Okay. So that's what I did. And I went out and did some really long walks that first week and really got my steps, like, right up. Um, and I was I was made up. But then it got to, like, about maybe, like, 10 days in, and I started to, like, get pains. My back went. I had a niggle in my back. I was Obviously, I knew my knees and... I started to get these pains that were making it really difficult to, to walk. Um, and it, I thought to myself at that point, oh, here we go. It's only the second weekend and I'm already getting, you know, physical issues that are preventing me from, you know. It, yeah, it was very much 
is my body going to be able to deal with this? In my head, I thought I didn't have any issues, but it was my body going to be able to deal with it. So yeah, there was, there was a brief moment, but never once, as I mentioned, you know, on the Wirral on that final walk, did I say to myself, I am not going to finish this. I was determined to literally push myself to do whatever was needed to do to, to get over the line. Yeah, so, so during that, I did see a lot of people posting videos online of their journeys and how they've done it. One that kind of particularly stuck out to me was the the walk back from Liverpool. Was it down the canal? It was, yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah. And it was these little videos by Mark through the day, and it was really positive at the start, and really then you got like 10 o'clock at night, and it's Mark, it's Mark going... I don't know I'm going to do this. I don't think I can finish it. I am mentally done in. Um, I don't know. Um, but hopefully I'll see at the end. Bye. And it was like, oh my God, it's that. Because obviously you think walking is just putting one foot in front of the other. So did you have any, you say you didn't have any kind of issues mentally, but was there not a point mentally where you thought, this is this is a bit of a dog, this? Just, yeah. Just before you do that one, one. Um, I did love how inspirational you were on that walk that day, Jay. Which one? That That Liverpool one. Yeah, I wasn't mm -hmm. there. He did contribute yeah. massively. Like, yeah, both of you, I've got a kid, right? I've got a kid. You two haven't got kids. But Dad King would have loved it, is all I'm saying. Joe, you just probably were mincing around somewhere. Mike, Mike was Mike was doing his millions, yeah. and I was I was looking after an eight-year-old child who likes to dab and squawk everywhere. I think I think I got the, the bad side of it, to be fair. Yeah, As you were, Mike. So, yeah, going back to the, the canal walk, um, mentally it got to about... We were about two thirds of the way in. Started that day, it was like, yeah, this is boss. We just done Blackpool. It was all fun, and up to that point, and, and on the Blackpool one, Jay, you were great on that one as well. Yeah, right. Stop yeah, rubbing yeah, it in. Yeah, yeah. This is ridiculous. Yeah, really good. Yeah. Sorry, Joe. Um, where when we do tech for setting up shows and stuff, are you? Oh no, sorry, you're not there. Are you? Sorry, you're doing doing lights. That's why Joe didn't have a, a rig nickname because he was never a rig. That's true. I'm gonna cut you. Right. So, yeah, it wasn't until the end of the Blackpool walk that physically I thought, okay, this I'm starting to feel this physically now. Up to that point, I hadn't really struggled from a physical aspect. Um, and I kind of thought, right, these last two walks is going to be my physical challenge. You know, stayed over on the Friday night. We went out, we had a few beers. It was like, <laughs> oh, yeah, it's going to be boss. It's going to be era. Can't wait for tomorrow. And to be fair, me and Mark were quite sensible. All these lot, you know, thought they were like, I saw Whoa. pictures I saw Whoa. pictures of Joe and Nick Chain doing shots and all sorts. <laughs> like, yeah. oh, YOLO, living your best life. Whoa. Facebook, yeah. yeah. Ja Jaeger bombs and pernos. And, well, Whoa, like, you know. I made that walk. Yeah. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yeah, wakes up in the morning, you know, we comes out, it wasn't raining, it was quite nice. We're all there at the start, and it was like, yeah, let's get a nice photograph. Let, let's go, guys, it's going to be a good day. You know, we're a few miles in, canal's closed. If you ever know, a canal can actually be closed. So we had to take a detour into, like, Bootle. It was, was like, fun. It was like, right, okay, we've got, like, Mike's Millions T-shirts on walking past the Strand. It's like, right, <laughs> this, this can't be good. This is going to end badly. <laughs> and for anyone who didn't know what the Strand was, I didn't either, but it all seems like a bit of a scary neighbourhood. <laughs> it's, it's, imagine the Connie, but worse. Can I say that on here? I've already said it, don't matter. Probably can't. <laughs> so it took us probably two, two or so miles to kind of meander through the estate to find the canal again. But then it literally was not that long before the heavens opened. And for a good, like, hour or so, it just rained. And by the time we got to the first checkpoint, we were all like, we were only six miles in and we were just soaked. It was like, right, okay. Uh, only about, you know, 26 miles to go. Because then from like checkpoint one to checkpoint two, it 
just continued to rain. Like for the first kind of, you know, four or five hours, it just seemed to like rain and rain and rain and rain and rain. And it we got to like the, well, we got to the second checkpoint, which was like Magull. And even at that point, I didn't feel too bad. It, I thought I'm okay. Yeah. And then it was, that was like the beginning of the end. That's how it felt because I'd stupidly like factored in this like eight mile stint between Magull and Skaysbrick thinking yeah eight miles and it was it just became it was horrendous physically you know mark got himself into like a, a zone headphones in and it was like right okay and i remember holly boyd saying to me you just put a quid in him and, <laughs> and mark was just like gone it was like okay so he's clearly on on a, on a mission um so i was just kind of doing my own thing i was on my own people started passing me holly being one of them like adam and people and i got to a point and i thought right it was, this is starting to hurt now yeah. My feet, the canal, the stones, the unevenness, my leg. And I thought, okay, I'm start physically now, for the first time, I'm starting to struggle. Really, really struggle. And that that eight mile stint became probably the worst leg of the entire experience. Um and I got to got to Skatesbrick, to Heaton's Bridge. And a part of me was like, I don't know if I can go on. Not mentally, but physically, I was I was struggling so much, and stopped at a pint, you know, sat down, had some energy bars, took on some sugar, felt good. I thought, right, I had a conversation with Mark, and it was like, how do you feel? It's like sore, I'm hurting, but I'm not giving up. I'm gonna go on, you know. I'm gonna until I physically cannot walk, I'm gonna go on. Literally got up and just like this, like new Lisa life came over me. I'm from Skatesbrick onwards. I was like on a mission to like <laughs> I'm I'm on this mate. Nice, isn't it? I'm on this mate all the way to Bersco. I just yeah, got to there, had another pint. We came <laughs> we came out of there and we had like form like a well, what I think was meant to be three, something like that, to um into Parbold and the heavens opened again. The the canal path literally just became like a puddle. Yeah. For like for nearly what turned out to be nearly four miles. I'd miscalculated by about a mile, which was in that weather was just horrendous. Um, it it just rained and rained and rained and rained and we got to like the windmill, like we were like four like what I thought was you know not too far from home. We stopped again. Some people had dropped out and there was a small group of us, about maybe six or seven of us left, that were like, you know, the centre is literally up that hill, and we're pretty much there. You know, we can kind of do this. Um, just, you say that hill like <laughs> it's not a horrendous <laughs> hill. <laughs> But it's the hill from the windmill to Dot and St. Michael's Church. That's a joke, that. And it was a joke, Jay. I saw deer on that walk. <laughs> I'm, I'm, sure, I'm sure we did that. We did the Parbold one as well, didn't we? Yeah. 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 <gasps> yeah that you try doing that after doing like like basically a marathon in, in non-stop rain and then having to do it? Yeah, I'd rather not, I'm going to be honest. Well, we, we know you'd rather not because we didn't. <laughs> yeah. Oh, sure. Know. Something to do with his, apparently he's got a kid. Uh, yeah. yeah. So have you have you got a kid? Have you got, no, but you haven't got a kid yet. Yeah. Um, don't worry about it. Do you want to say any more? Or... Well, no. Anyway. I'll dab instead. You know. <laughs> That's just... <laughs> I'm glad people weren't filming that because that was disgraceful. <laughs> Looked like you were swatting a fly or something. So, yeah, we I, I was coming up on Dalton St. Michael's and in my head I thought, right, we'll stop here. I'll stop here. We'll we'll let everyone kind of catch up and let's all go down to the centre together. And I literally turned around and everyone was right. I thought, oh, sound. And then, and then I realised, obviously, well, Mark wasn't. Me thinking, was there anyone? It was like, no, I think it was Joe or someone said, it's literally just your kid. Like, so well, where is he? He's like, we didn't know. 
And it was probably a few minutes went by, and we're looking down, thinking, and then something like flickered in a street light, and it was like, that's got it. And we saw him coming up, and then he crossed the road to the other side, and we were, we didn't know why he'd crossed the road at first. Um, but yeah, ultimately we kind of, you know, regathered, and then all kind of made our way down to the centre together. You know, coming up over that that hill, and seeing that the lights of the centre was like, it was like reaching the pearly gates. It was like, oh my god, <laughs> we're here. We've we've arrived. It was. It was an amazing experience and a welcoming committee. It was like, yeah, I've never been so pleased to see the centre in my entire life. And, and to be honest, you did you did an amazing job because I think for anybody to do for a million miles to so just comprehend a million million miles, million steps, a million sorry, miles, million Whoa. miles. That's your next one. A million steps. It's a lot of steps. Uh, how how many miles did you work out? Do you know? Or in, 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 in the end, um, it it equated to just under 500 miles, which I'd worked out was the equivalent of walking from Newcastle-upon-Tyne right down to Land's End. And Mike would walk 500... Oh, sorry. So, Did you know Jay, Jay was <clears throat> uh, in, in a Take That band? Unfortunately, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So why are you bringing this up now? Cover, covers by Jamie. Because the reason yeah, he split up, probably. What are you about splitting up? Just, do you know what? So, Mike, in terms of actually completing that walk, obviously... Uh, Honestly, I, I don't think, and Jay, I don't know about you, but I don't think I'd have been able to do the full the full thing. I Honestly, I think I would have struggled a lot. Mm-hmm. I think I would have had to have a lot of help. I think it's not just physically demanding, it's mentally demanding. Mm-hmm. I think that's what I didn't realise about it. It is quite demanding both physically and mentally. So I think I would have given it a good go. Whether I completed it all, I don't know, but I would have certainly given it a good shot. So fair play to Mike, who's, who's completed it. And how, how, do you know how much money you raised in the end? It was... Um, I don't know the exact figure it came in this week but it's just over £4,000 that's amazing okay so we're back from just a, a little break um, just kind of topping up the uh, the beers making sure we're uh, suitably um, watered I think the and word I'm, is I really needed the toilet you really to needed honest. a toilet <laughs> so before we came uh, to do this podcast we put a little message on the arts uh, group page just asking for questions, anything at all, um, to ask us um, at the end of the podcast to kind of give our thoughts and feelings on. Uh, so I know that we've all chosen a question, people on there. So, Joe, if you want to go first and read your question out, we'll all try and answer it, I think. The question that I picked, I actually got messaged uh, by Ben, who sent it in to me. It was, the question was, what made you want to direct instead of perform? So when I kind of stepped into that period of time where I spoke about earlier, where I was solely volunteering in all these different ways. It was with a bit of a conscious effort to work towards becoming a a director, a a theatre director. I didn't want to perform. I didn't want to be, you know, an actor. But you've got a grade eight, though. Why why waste it? Why waste that grade eight? You've got a point. You've got a point. So, you know, I'll never rule it out, but I may just use that when the time calls for it. Thank God. And and a diploma as well, just in case. You You never never mentioned. Mm -hmm. I I started to realise that by learning to direct pieces, I could help facilitate and put together all of these different things into one product so i didn't have to just specify in uh, acting or didn't have to just specify in lighting design and actually by understanding all of those different components that go into a performance that would actually make my specialism that i was aiming towards even better what i have come to realize you know since is that 
the directing is kind of the the just the way, just the way to actually complete the goal, which is really to create opportunities for people to engage in the arts, like we said earlier. Mike, do you want to give your question? The question I've chosen to answer was um, submitted by Nadine, Nadine Phillips, which is a great question and is a question we've been asked many, many, many times before. There's always three for me that come into it. I know it says pick one. I'm going to kind of put three out there, but, you know, and the question was, if there was a film, you know, a famous film that could be transitioned into a, a musical theatre production, you know, which, which one would it be? You know, for, for you personally. Um, growing up, there were three films that, to, to, to my knowledge, haven't been turned into music. I'm pretty sure Joe will correct me if they have because he seems to know the most obscure musicals Ridiculous. out there. Yeah. But... Um, the most prominent, although it was a musical as a film, I don't think it's ever been a stage show, and that was Labyrinth. Um, you know, David Bowie, phenomenal, phenomenal film. Very fantasy-based, you know, amazing characters. Um, whether the music of the stage show would be the music of the film or whether it would be a completely original score, because I know Bowie wrote the score specifically kind of, you know, for, for, the, for the production. But I think that would be a phenomenal piece. Um, and then the other two, you know, childhood favourites of mine, one would be The Goonies. I think The Goonies is a musical, again, from characters and storyline. And, you know, if you think of the songs that you could create to fit those characters and, and the, you know, the parts of that journey. Um, and I think the other one as, as a big Christmas musical would be Home Alone. I think Home Alone, again, you know, just three iconic films. And I think if they were turned into musicals at some point, they'd be no-brainers. They would literally, you know, they'd probably break records across the globe for ticket sales because they're so iconic and I think people would have to go and watch it just to see what it was like. Um, if you could have any superpower, what would it be and why? I think this is quite an interesting question. Personally, I would like to be able to breathe underwater like Aquaman. That'd be pretty cool. Can you swim? But we try to say I can't. Surely swim. the superpower would be to swim first. Jay, you I can't missed swim. the walk with the canal, mate. I can't swim. You, couldn't, uh, you, you can't, can't do that anymore. It's I can't swim. I'd, I'd, I'd have swam okay. the canal all the way up so, to scam. So with armbands or? What I you, can actually swim. What you, you trying to say I'm too fat to swim? Is that what you're trying to say? What do you need? Is that what you're both <laughs> trying to say? This is ridiculous. <laughs> this is a joke. People people rise up against this discrimination. What do you need to breathe underwater for, though? How, how will that benefit you? Why not? You don't need to question it that much. It's a superpower. <laughs> People, it's like, it's, like, it's like saying, why would you need to fly? Why would you need to be invisible? Because you, okay. you want to. Okay. So I would like to be underwater. Thank you both very much. Because I think it'd be quite good. And then you can just swim anywhere in the world. You can literally swim anywhere in the world. So, guys, thanks for listening. Thank you very much. Yeah. And we'll see you next time. Don't forget to subscribe. Bye. Bye.